This morning, we're going to go ahead and do the communion meditation, so ministry in the word, before liturgical prayer, with the hope that when we pray together, we can pray um, based upon some reflections that we've made as we will go to the Lord in listening prayer at the end of this sermon. But this morning, what we're really going to be focusing on is what does God see? As a prophet, Isaiah was a prophet who told the people, who tells us what God sees. And so we're going to start out by reading our passage this morning. And I invite you, if you're comfortable, to close your eyes and take this as a time where you really try to imagine these words. You really try to picture these words, picture what God sees. So Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Please pray with me. God, I pray that this morning we would see what you see. God, that you would change our vision, that your spirit would speak to us in powerful and yet very simple ways, and that we would hold out hope together, joining with Isaiah. Amen. Pictures and images over the last decade have become increasingly important to my faith. Part of my prayer journey has been realizing that we don't have to just go to God with our petitions and requests. We can go to God with our questions, and we can expect that God will respond to them. As God's sheep, we are assured in John chapter 10 that we will recognize the voice of our Good Shepherd. And the New Testament encourages us that the Holy Spirit will teach us and speak to us and counsel us. When I do listening prayer, I mostly do it in the company of others, perhaps my sister or a friend. We ask God questions that often produce images or pictures that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. We might ask, Jesus, how do you see me? Jesus, 
how do you see this person who I am really angry with? Jesus, how do you want to show up in this situation? Jesus, where were you in this past event? Please show me. In a sense, through these questions, we are asking for God's vision of how he sees things, how he sees the world, how he sees us, and how he sees other people. One picture that I received a while back that stands out is when I was praying with my sister and I was feeling incredibly weary and like I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. She gently encouraged me to go to God in prayer. And even though I felt resistant, I agreed. I knew she was right. We asked God how he wanted to show up in my situation. And I received a picture of Jesus as a kind shepherd who put me a sheep on his shoulders and carried me. And so you'll see this is the slide. This isn't Jesus, but in my image, I saw Jesus and I was the sheep that was over Jesus's shoulders. What that image communicated to me was that God saw my burdens and took them upon himself and that I did not have to carry them anymore. That picture revealed an intimacy of being carried by Jesus that communicated his love and tenderness for me in a way that words never could. Why am I sharing these visions with you? Well, like I said before, listening prayer is about asking God for his vision. How do you see me, God, the world, the present, future, and even my past? The book of Isaiah is also all about God's vision, how God perceives and sees what is happening in the present, past, and future of the life of Israel. Isaiah's job as a prophet is to communicate what God sees. The book of Isaiah starts out with this verse. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And the first verse of our passage this morning in chapter 2 starts with, the word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So what does God see for his people through the prophet Isaiah? That is our main question this morning. In chapter 1, which Pastor Colleen has been preaching through over the past couple of weeks, we know that God, God saw and foretold many images of judgment because of Israel's unfaithfulness and lack of justice toward the marginalized. Isaiah saw the city of Israel as a prostitute. He saw rebels and sinners were like an oak whose leaf withers and like a garden without water. He saw blood on their hands and the crimson stains of their sin and their cities being burned. In our passage for today, however, Isaiah sees something entirely different than judgment or condemnation for God's people. He sees a message of hope and restoration. 
Amazingly, it's a message that still holds hope for God's people today. The message of hope at the beginning of chapter 2 stands in direct contrast to chapter 1. The judgment in chapter 1 and then this vision of restoration in chapter 2 foreshadow the rhythm of the book of Isaiah as a whole. Broadly speaking, chapters 1 through 39 are concerned with God's judgment for the people of Israel. And broadly speaking, chapters 40 through 66 are concerned with hope and restoration. So let's walk through Isaiah's vision of future hope together. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to put the scripture before you and follow along. First, we notice that in verse 2, Isaiah is referring to the days to come. This sets us up to know that this is a prophecy about the future. Some visions in Isaiah will not be fulfilled until Christ comes again in glory, when heaven comes to earth in the new creation. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5 is one of those future passages that was not fulfilled in Isaiah's time and has not yet been fulfilled in our time. So in essence, we share in the same hope that Isaiah had. We are looking forward to the same vision that Isaiah was looking forward to. Next, we notice that God's house is the tallest of all the mountains. Can you see it? Can you see his house towering above everything else? so that people from far away can see its majestic granite rock shimmering in the distance. We are told that all the nations stream to it. I have a picture in my office called the Kingdom of God, which portrays the jaw-dropping diversity and beauty of God's followers. Can you imagine people from every nation streaming to God's house? Maasai warriors hiking up the mountain next to American high schoolers. The Maori people from New Zealand walking next to elderly Japanese women. Iranian young adults jogging upwards next to Messianic Jews. The phrase in Isaiah's vision, all the nations shall stream to it makes me think of all the people who streamed to the Asbury Revival over the past couple of weeks. There was an outpouring of God's Spirit that was experienced there, and over 50,000 people streamed to this small town of Wilmore, Kentucky, and people from over 200 institutions. There was a sophomore at Asbury who made it her project to show all the people and all the nations that came from, and we will see the powerful visual here. And then the next image as well shows all the people that streamed to Asbury. We have hope that one day indeed, all the nations will stream to God's house. And Asbury is just a small foretaste of what that will look like. I am struck in verse 3 that the people from the nations have a common cause. 
They basically talk among themselves and are in agreement. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. This is revolutionary, that many different peoples are encouraging one another to seek out the God of Jacob, not the God of their ancestors or traditions, but Israel's God. They recognize that the Lord is the one who has instruction. The God of Israel is a God who speaks to them in ways that they can understand. He does not forever shroud himself in mystery or refuse to speak like their gods do. Not only do the nations want to learn about God's instruction, they want to apply his teachings. They want to walk in his paths. So picture again, warriors from the Maasai tribe in Tanzania, indigenous Maori people from New Zealand, Messianic Jews from Israel, American high schoolers from Oklahoma, and Iranian Christians from Tehran, encouraging one another to learn from the instruction of God. The nations are not left wanting, for the word of God does indeed go out from Jerusalem so that all the peoples may know and follow him. Isaiah's vision continues, and verse 4 deserves to be repeated. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This peaceable hope is breathtaking. The weapons of war will be transformed into tools for food and life. In Isaiah's future hope, there will be no need for war. So training armies, creating weapons, and practicing battle techniques will be obsolete. Because of God's arbitration between the nations, there will be peace, lasting peace. War will have, the word war will have lost all meaning for future generations. Someone reminded us in prayer last week that the war in Ukraine reached its one-year mark on February 24th and encouraged our congregation to continue to pray for peace. She encouraged us to pray even when we don't feel like it or our hearts have become callous to what is going on. Other people in our congregation have also encouraged us to pray for peace for the many other armed conflicts, civil wars, and insurrections that are raging in Myanmar, Afghanistan, Burkina Faso, Somalia, Syria, Yemen, and many other nations. It is hard to imagine what Isaiah's promises might mean to those in the midst of the horrors of war. 
some of us might not be able to grasp the radical depth of these words if we ourselves haven't experienced a close proximity to war. My prayer is that even if some of us can't know the full meaning of these words, that we would pray earnestly for this peaceable vision to come to fulfillment, just as Isaiah did, so that our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world, and even in our own neighborhoods crying out for peace, would be heard and their prayers would be answered. So what does God see? Ultimately, through Isaiah's vision, we know that God sees days coming when all peoples and nations will stream to his house to learn from him. He sees a day when all nations out of their own initiative will come to walk in the paths he has set out for his people in his word. We know that God sees the future of the new heavens and new earth where peace will reign forever and weapons will be no more. In the midst of God's judgment, what solace this vision must have been for the people of Israel? And what hope does this vision too provide for us in our own wayward society and violent and unjust world? We would do well to remember that if we are to be true prophets like Isaiah, people who see what God sees, we must search with everything we have for what God sees. We must ask, seek, knock, and earnestly inquire, God, what do you see? To conclude today, we are going to go through a time of listening prayer that connects a grief that comes to mind to a vision of hope in order to model the rhythm that we see in the book of Isaiah, from judgment and grief and lament to hope and restoration. Through this exercise, we want to humbly and earnestly seek out what God sees. Listening prayer will be familiar to some and quite unfamiliar to others, and that is just fine. Listening prayer is simply asking God questions and listening in quiet for his responses. I will lead us in asking two questions, and after each question, there will be one minute of silence for you to sit quietly and see what God might be speaking to you. You might see a picture or image, hear a word, be reminded of a scripture, or just experience peace in the quiet. If you see or hear anything, I encourage you to write it down in your bulletin. There's a note section included. So you can come back later and test it in prayer and with scripture. And if you want, we encourage you to use what you wrote down in liturgical prayer after the sermon.
So the first question that I invite you to reflect on is what is one thing that grieves you or that breaks your heart or God's heart? This could be something individual, familial, in our community, society, or world. So I invite you to settle into a comfortable prayer position. And if you are willing to close your eyes. Let's all take one deep breath together. We are going to start with a minute of silence. And it might feel long to some, and that's okay. But ask God to bring to mind one thing that grieves you or that breaks your heart or God's heart. The minute has started. Now I invite you to imagine or picture what it looks like for God to make this situation whole or what it looks like for God to bring hope. What do you see? We will do another minute starting now.
Thank you, Jesus, for whatever um, you might have spoken to us, whatever pictures or images you might have gifted to us. We pray, God, that what you want us to hold on to, we would hold on to. And anything you want us to let go of, we would let go of. God, help us to continue to seek you. Amen. So my hope is that whatever you saw or didn't see during this time of listening prayer, that your hunger for God's vision would be increased. If we are to be true prophets, we must ask God to show us what he sees, both our sin and injustice and need for repentance, and his vision of hope for our world and our lives. In the end, this is a practice that is available to us, and hopefully we can move to seeing things a little more closely to how God sees them. Lord, help us see what you see. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.